your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome everybody. All right, today we're talking about bonding through laughter. You know, it's really interesting because humor is such an important part of life. It tells us that no matter what, how serious things are, we can still get through it. It's a sense of peace. It's a sense of calmness when we're able to have a different view on something than most people. The sad part of it is we've eliminated comedy pretty much from the whole uh, aspect of going to a comedian and watching them because everybody's so divided on the woke movement and on their little camps and cultures and little places where they want to sit and view life through a certain screen. They interpret everything based on what they want to believe. And so sadly, uh, people that step out on a limb and take a different view of things become a target rather than somebody that gives us a release. But humor, you know, is an expression of, of what we perceive is funny. And it's both a source of entertainment and a means of coping with difficult and strange situations and really stressful events. And, and although it provokes laughter, humor can be really serious from its most lighthearted forms to its most absurd. It, it can play an absolute instrumental role in forming social bonds, in releasing tension, and even attracting a, a, a partner. You know, the bottom line is it is fundamental to many friendships, if not all friendships, for them to have a, a way to reach humor. That is one of the best bonding moments that we can all have to make ourselves feel like we are all accepted. You know, there's a whole bunch of different functions and styles of humor, and there's a whole lot of uh, 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 versions uh, of it, but, you know, it is really important that that com uh, competing explanations for why some things are funnier than others. It seems clear that humor often involves a violation of your expectations. And the culture and age and the political orientation, many other factors also play a role in what people find is funny. You know, um, some people who, who look to humor point to the fact that a whole lot of jokes and Funny events contradict a sense of how things are supposed to be. And so these violations propose that something is funny when it seems both wrong and threatening and essentially harmless. As when a comedian says something shocking but clearly unserious, you know, what, what counts as benign depends on one perceiver of the joke. Uh, people are so highly strung these days to find humor and even to explore the idea of having humor can be a very threatening thing. But we have to wonder, why are some people funnier than others? In, in addition to being skilled at toying with people's expectations, people who are funnier than most exhibit qualities such as a willingness to take risks when making jokes, a sensitivity to how their attempts of humor are perceived, and more gifted people in comedy might also be intelligent or average. You know, certain personality traits seem to correspond with the style of humor people tend to use. You know, like 
there's a lot of research that suggests that people who are drawn to humor as a way to affiliate with people or to support their own well-being are likely uh, uh, to rate higher on the traits of extroversion, agreeableness, openness to experiences. And so more agreeable and con uh, contentious people, conscious people, also seem to be less likely to use hum humor uh, in disparaging or an offensive way. But, you know, laughing, like, let's say if you laughed at a funeral, you know, or any other typically unfunny time, isn't necessarily a sign of disregard. Inappropriate laughter may be a response to tension or uncomfortable feelings stirring in awkward or sad situations or hard to control release uh, of, of unpleasantness, you know. A funeral is meant to celebrate someone's life. So the whole idea is to find moments in their life that were were very special, sparkling moments, great moments, maybe funny moments. Those are incredible things to have at a funeral, and people need to open to that. Also, gallows humor. That would be called black humor. It involves subjects such as death that are threatening or highly negative in some other way. And that kind of humor can feel good and provide relief when you're in the face of something really bad. You know, including uh, for those who are regularly immersed in them, such as uh, uh, soldiers, cops, firefighters, you know, hospital staff. You know, people with certain mental health conditions may be, uh, be more or less likely to use and appreciate certain kinds of humor. You know, there, there may be a relationship between humor and depression. For example, depressed people being uh, more likely to use self-deprecating humor and less likely to use positive styles of humor, you know, the fact is, is that we're at our funniest when we make fun of our own selves. You know, not everybody's good at, 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 at making humor. Many of us are, are a jokester of the family or the class clown or the funniest person in the group, but given the appeal of a quick wit and a robust sense of humor, it's natural to wonder whether you are among the many funny people that are out there. You know, if you want to become a funnier person, include uh, practice joke telling, take uh, uh, com comedic risks, knowing that some of the jokes will fall flat. And also, uh, of course, watching to and listening and reading the work of comedians. And you could ask your most honest friend. But uh, few people want to tell their jokes are half-baked. You know, if you have to hear somebody that's really bad at telling jokes – and uh, that can be really frustrating because some people are just terrible at humor, but, uh, you know, they don't refine it very well and they fall back on the same old jokes trying to be funny. And that can be a struggle to have to listen to, quite frankly, but that's the way life is also. You know, and it can have a, a, a whole lot of uh, social benefits if you're good at it. You know, it, it, it can diffuse tense situations, but in the end, the meaning of our lives really has to do with our emotional connection with one another. And humor is one of the ways to really secure that. And the other part of the idea of uh, our emotions is that our emotions are the one international language understood all over the world by all human beings. And so when we are able to meet people on an emotional level, we're speaking a language that all of us can accept. And a sense of humor may even serve as a social radar, helping a person de to detect and connect with uh, other people. And having a sense of humor can make a relationship a whole lot more satisfying, and the use of positive humor could help to resolve conflict. However, humor can be really aggressive and insulting rather than positive and playful. 
and the repeated use of negative humor, like teasing, might waken a, a, a negative bond instead and create a negative bond. So in, the, in light of the positive impact of humor, and that has a great source of good well-being, many have claimed that it can improve health as well. While the links between humor and different aspects of physical health, such as immune function or heart health, uh, have been explored, and the evidence is largely inconclusive that humor helps in those areas. But it depends on the style of humor, when it's hostile, if it's antagonistic, if it's degrading. An attempt at humor can divide people rather than bring them, bring them closer. And of course, the shortcomings and imperfections of others and oneself have long been great sources for people who do comedy. And when exactly a joke goes too far and ceases to be funny can be really subject to debate. And that's where today in the woke movement world that we're in, the Me Too movement and uh, the Black Lives Matter and all that stuff, all of that gets thrown in. And now you have to really, really, really uh, dumb down your humor. And it's observed. And in, in, uh, by the way, humor is seen in all cultures in all ages. But only in recent times, experiential and experimental psychology has respected it as essential fundamental human behavior. And, and, and you, psychologists historically have framed humor negatively, suggesting it demonstrated superiority, vulgarity. And, and so the bottom line is humor has come into the sunlight. And that's really great. You know. Humor now is viewed as a character strength, as a positive psychology, a field that examines what people do well, notes that humor can be used to make others feel good, gain intimacy, help buffer stress, along with the, the gratitude and the hope and the spirituality, a sense of humor belongs to the set of strengths and, and positive psychologists call transcendence. And together, that helps us forge connections in the world and provide meaning. And the appreciation of humor correlates with other strengths, too, such as wisdom and the love of learning. And humor activities and exercises result in increased feelings of emotional well-being and optimism. And so, you know, we have to wonder uh, what, what makes humor welcome into the mainstream is the, the, the act of humor actually is healing. It actually offers us the ability to heal and understand each other on an emotional level where mostly we don't. It makes us vulnerable and it also makes us fun and interesting and humor in its best moments make, brings us anchored straight into just this moment of life as a meaningful moment. And, and when we have great humor, meaningful moments happen time after time after time. And people yearn for that where they actually feel alive. That's why they will go to a comedy club, maybe to hear some great humor. And once they get that, they can integrate that into, I felt alive when I listened to this. Thank God. You know, understanding and creating humor requires a, a long sequence of mental operations and, and uh there's even psychologists that have developed a three-stage theory of humor, you know, uh, the mentally represent the setup of the joke. That's, that's the first part. That's the, the first stage. Set up the joke mentally. Detect an incongruity in its uh, multiple interpretations. 
and then resolve the incongruity by inhibiting the literal, non-funny interpretations, appreciating the meaning of the funny one. There was a, a person in my life um, who loved to correct, uh, collect stuff out of people's garbage cans and put them in his backyard. He was a hoarder. And so what he did was he <laughs> he started collecting all kinds of stuff, and it came springtime, and he found a mirror in somebody's um, garbage, and he brought it home, stuck it in his backyard. Spring came, and the sun came out, and guess what? It lit his whole back. Uh, backyard on fire. And guess what he did not believe in? He did not believe in banks. So he stored his money in his old cars and in all kinds of places all over his backyard. The whole place got burnt down. It was on the front page of the newspaper and he was not able to recover but half the money that he had because if a bill is burned more than half, the banks will not take them. And so, yes, it's a horrible thing that happened, but also it was a good lesson that he needs to stop hoarding and, and by the way, his backyard is now clean. So, you know, thinking in those terms, that's kind of how humor is set up. When we see uh, 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 things that are, are, are uh, funny, like uh, my thing is I love like Gary Larson's Far Side, even though he's retired from doing that. But when we notice you know, a, a cow inside a car while human beings are in the pasture grazing, they're now two mental representations on our conscious mind. Where a pre-existing schema is mentally represented by the cows, especially these days when we have crowd mentality and, and group think. So we are a bunch of cows, you know, in some regards. And, and then you see it in a cartoon where the cows are actually living a more intelligent life. But, you know, and then all of a sudden we see a, a real world representation where we find the idea of cows driving through a countryside of grazing people, you know, uh, <laughs> that becomes, wait, cows should be the ones in the field, not the people. But it becomes an appreciation of humor and an, an, a statement made about our human existence. You know, funny is subjective experience that comes from the resolution of at least two incongruous schemas. There is the verbal jokes, and the second scheme is often activated at the end in a punchline. You know, there, there, there's two reasons that we sometimes don't get the joke. First is the punchline must create a different mental representation that conflicts with the one set up by the joke. So timing and laugh tracks help signal to the listener that a different representation of the punchline is possible. And second, you must be able to inhibit the initial uh, mental representation. That means suppress it so that we actually follow the laugh track and that helps guide us into understanding what's funny and what's not. That's how TV programs us. But that's not always how humor really works. When jokes perpetuate a stereotype, that we find offensive, like a racist joke or an ethnic joke or a sexist joke, we may refuse to inhibit the offensive representation. That means we're not going to push it back. We're going to lean into it and say, that's not cool. You know, violence in cartoons is another example. You know, I don't know if anybody ever watched Roadrunner, but when, you know, the anvil hits the coyote, animal lovers may be unable to inhibit the animal cruelty meaning instead of focusing on funny meaning of yet another inevitable failure of the coyote to catch the roadrunner. 
You know, so why older do- adults do not comprehend jokes as frequently as younger adults, you know, it's due to declines tied to the aging process. Older adults may not have the cognitive resources, you know, needed to create multiple representations. You know, maybe they hold a rigid view of life, and if it doesn't fit into that context, they don't know how to associate humor. Because as we get older, some people uh, tend to form, the, get get set in their ways, set in their thinking, and they just can't get outside their own box. You know, when older people succeed in their efforts to do those things, they typically show greater appreciation of the joke than younger adults do. And they report greater life satisfaction than those who don't see humor. So, yes, they may have may not live longer, but they may have more satisfaction in their existence because they still seek wisdom. They still seek humor. They still seek enlightenment. And that's what keeps people alive. You know, that's what helps nourish our soul. You know, there's other aspects of humor where where uh, uh, older adults hold the advantage. Wisdom is a form of reasoning that increases with age, and it's correlated with the subjective well-being. It, it's linked with wisdom. You know, humor is. And a wise person knows how to use humor uh, when laughing at their self. Additionally, uh, intuition is a form of decision-making that may develop with an expertise and an experience that comes with aging. And like humor, intuition is enjoying a bit of renaissance within psychology, uh, reframed as a major form of reasoning, and it adds humor because it adds layers that are not spoken they are layers that bring out something in someone that we didn't know they had, and all of a sudden we see what they have because we hit them intuitively at a defense mechanism, and they respond, and now we get our res- the, the humor because we're seeing a person that's outside of their element responding it differently than they normally respond to a normal person. You know, it's uniquely human uh, to, to, to reflect on our past and our present and our future, to imagine details in the mental representations. You know, as with humor, time, perspective, and fundamental to human experience is really important to keep it within that context. You know, if you started to listen to comedy 20 years ago, 30 years ago, what we found funny back then may not be funny now. All right, we're going to take another a break, and we're going to come back talk more about humor and how to respect laughter, how to respect each other, and even how to get some history about it. So come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. It's time to serve, learn, change the world. 
Tune in each week for the power of young people to change the world. Hosted by NYLC's CEO, Amy Muirs. The program is a forum for both young people and the adults who love and support them. We make connections with others through stories of change, partnership, and new perspectives of issues facing the world today. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time or anytime on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about how to use humor for healing in our life. You know, bonding through laughter. You know, it's it's really important. You know, time perspective is related to feelings of well-being. And people report a greater sense of well-being depending on the quality of the details of their past or their present recollections. And when participants focus on how details, which tend to elicit vivid details, they're more satisfied with life than when they focus on why. Because why is motive-based, and it's a negative perception on things. So what's really important to understand is humor comes from the same parallel that forgiveness comes from. And so if you could just follow me for a second. If I focused on the what and the how a bad thing happened, I'm focusing on the process that led to the decision to do the thing that didn't turn out well. So the process is the setup. The outcome is the the result. And that's what we want to focus on. Now, people that look for forgiveness, they want to know what the process was that led to the bad choice. If they're able to focus on the process leading to the bad choice rather than hammering on, why did you do this? Why did you do this? I can't believe you did this to me, blah, 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 blah. And they just keep going, hammering, hammering, hammering on the negative outcome. They forget the whole process and they don't understand it. And that's where we're human, is the process. And so that's where we find a lot of humor is understanding that. You know, people use humor in positive ways. They also have a very positive perspective on their past life, on their the time in their life. And using self-defeating humor holds negative past perspectives on ourselves. And this kind of study contributes to the understanding of how we think about and interpret social interactions. You know, there's a lot of research out there that suggests that attempts to use humor in a positive way may improve the emotional tone of details in our thoughts and thereby our moods. It also may dictate the ability for people to forgive us for things that we've done by using our sense of humor. You know, if we really look at the whole aspect of learning to respect laughter – You know, there's a lot of people that live what's called experientially and experimentally. And that means that we are willing to take risks. And and 
If we grab onto humor as we learn to value our daily lives and look for humor in the dumb things we do and the things that we have done and the things that we have to admit we've done, we build character. We build strength. We build actually respect for ourselves for being willing to put ourselves out there in order to be picked on and 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 to look at some of our choices as a way to understand what we did you know and and go wow you know if it's emotional especially if it's an emotional thing that you're getting to that creates a negative outcome that emotional thing other people can relate to. And so that's where humor can be found. You know, studying humor allows us to figure out the theoretical process involved in memory, reasoning, time perspective, wisdom, intuition, and, and, and subjective well-being. And it's a behavior of interest in, and itself we work to describe, explain, control, predict humor across age, genders, and cultures. You know, we may not agree on what's funny, but there's more consensus than ever among um, among people that humor is serious and relevant to our lives and a very important component. For more than 2,000 years, people have assumed that all forms of humor can share a common ingredient. And the search for this ex- uh, essence occupied uh, uh, people like philosophers who formalized the philosophical ideas, translated to them into concepts that, that could be tested. You know <laughs> – if you think of slapstick comedy, well, slapstick used to be actually a stick. When somebody did something stupid, somebody in a, like Greek theater would whack them over the head with the slapstick and people would go crazy because it made a big cracking noise on their forehead. You know, in Greece, they had a thing called a phallus, which was a, this enormous uh, a penis. And when people did dumb things, they would hit them with the penis. People had they, in the Greek uh, in the Greek times, they had the chorus where they would be the normal people trying to tell the, the people on stage what was right or what they should do. But those people on stage would be doing the dumb thing and the chorus would be trying to correct them. But and so the audience would get engaged from that perspective. You know, there's, there's a longstanding explanation that humor is the theory of incongruity. People lack uh, laugh at the juxtaposition of in, 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 in concepts in defiance of their expectation and incongruity between expectations and reality. You know, uh, if we look at that and we really understand it, laughter results when a person discovers an unexpected solution to an apparent incongruity, such as when a, a, a person grasps a double meaning in a statement or sees a statement in completely new light. You know, and, and so there, the, there's explanations that capture something, yet they are insufficient when it comes to humor. They do not provide a, a complete theoretical framework. But, the, you know, the, I'm not trying to get into this philosophical crap that's just going to lead us all to go, what? What are you talking about? I don't understand. But, you know, you have to understand that constructing humor, you have to understand how to do it effectively in a way to understand what works and what people listen for. And what people are listening for is what they would do if it, what they would like to think they would do under certain situations uh, when they put themselves in, in another person's shoes. 
You know, levity, which is the leading to humor, can also partly be a product of distance from a situation. That means we're not so emotionally attached to a situation that we can't think differently. You know, sometimes it's a way of detaching from a very difficult emotional situation and turning it into something really, really good. You know, I I, I was listening or watching the YouTube with the Queen's, uh, King's Choir in England where they were singing an acapella, uh, the boys were singing an acapella thing, and then all of a sudden uh, one of the kids pulls out a, a helium balloon from behind his back and goes about five uh, octaves above everybody else, <laughs> and they were already singing very high. And so that was just an enormously ingenious moment uh, that I felt uh, in watching such a serious uh, young choir of boys uh, do something so crazy. But, you know, by doing that stuff out of the blue, it, it's just like, yeah, that was smart. That was ingenious. And it really was kind of funny and it sounded good, actually. And so I don't know if you ever go to YouTube, but it'd be nice to look that up. It's uh, Helium Boy and the King's Choir or something like that. Anyway, um, you know, pe- people la- laugh at uh, uh, other anomalies like a guy with a frozen beard, you know, if they believe. You know, that to be what's going on if you're actually got a frozen beard where you can't even open your mouth because your beard's so crusted. You know, that can be a very funny thing, especially if that person's a big talker. You know, the idea of, of, of a, what's called a benign violation has limitations. It describes triggers of laughter but does not explain it. For instance, the role of humor played in our evolutionary success, that there's a lot of theories out there that contains – uh, elements that, that uh, uh, humor can have uh, its own uh, vantage from an evolutionary perspective. And humor and laughter can occur in every society as well as apes and even rats. You know, the, the, there's this evolutionary role of are we evolutionary where we should be as human beings or are we more primitive than we really are? Oftentimes we're more primitive than we actually thought we are. You know, when we look at the id and the ego, you know, the child part of us and then the ego part of us, which is the persona that we want everybody to see, oftentimes they don't understand that inner child that's there, that's inside of us, that is also operating, doing very dumb things. You know, I can't tell you how many times my wife has told me, you know, I can't believe you said that to our kid. You're a marriage family therapist. How dare you? And I was like, you're right. I did say something. You know, when we do that kind of stuff, we have to face ourselves. And it can be funny, uh, but we do have to sometimes make amends for those things. So, you know, what's really important is to understand that we are not perfect. We are never going to be perfect. And we are experientially walking through this life, failing time and time again to different degrees, and we just have to learn from it. But the failure itself, when we can actually laugh at our failures, that's when we've come to grips with not being so serious about ourselves. We are not nearly as important as we think we are. You know, spontaneous, emotional, impulsive, involuntary laughter is a genuine expression of amusement and joy. And joy is a really important word. A lot of people say, I just want to be happy. Well, no, what you really want, because happy is just one emotion, what you want is joy, because joy comes from our soul. And when people choose to look at their life in a positive regard and always look for positive moments of connection, especially bonding through humor, 
we have a tendency to be resilient in life. And resiliency is what makes us respond instead of react because most people will stay in a reaction. And that's the Me Too movements and the Black Lives Matter, all the crazy groups out there that have aligned themselves into these weird concepts of the way life should be. Those folks... Those folks that lock in on that stuff lose the ability to respond, and respond is where the rational human being comes from, and that rational human being is the where we need to be making choices, not in our emotions, not making emotional choices, because every time you do that, you end up finding yourself doing stupid stuff, which you can find humor in, but the bottom line is, it, it's, it's just, we all are bigots when we operate in the idea that we have the locked-in truth of the world. And we also need to be able to make fun of that and understand that we have to get outside of that. You know, facial expressions and the neural pathways that control them differ from two kinds of laughter. You know, if you think about it, think about one of the most famous movies, Forrest Gump. He helped us get outside of all of our normalities, of all of the things that we took seriously. He had a whole different view of it that was so much more simpler and basic and understanding that how hard we were trying to make life so complicated. And that understanding of getting outside of what we believe was right, we, un- we come to find that what we believe was right is a floating target. And so, you know, we have to look at, at the understanding that, uh, you know, primate laughter is, is gradually come from uh, human biological and cultural evolution to help us be resilient from fear. And fear is the opposite of faith. And we live in faith because we take leaps of faith. But when we live in fear, we are going to be living reactively our whole life. And yes, there'll be a lot of humor there for other people. Not for you. It's miserable to live in fear, but that's what people do, and they call it, i.e., anxiety. You know, that's uh, unfortunately where people live is in anxiety, and once they live in anxiety, they feel like their life's out of control. But if you need perspective on life, you have to be able to grab on to some kind of sense of humor to help you understand what's really, really important. You know, a long time ago, many years ago, I had... uh, uh, Yakov Smirnov on the show. And many of you probably don't know who he is. Some of you do if you're older, but he's a Russian comedian. And uh, he's, he's a friend of mine. I met him about 20 years ago in uh, Hawaii. And uh, we actually just chatted a little bit. And uh, I asked him to be on the show. He came on the show because he's a marriage family therapist. And he also uh, is writing books on how to create humor. And what was really interesting, he told me a joke. He did. He told me a, the idea that, you know, when he grew up, if a kid was looking out an apartment window, it was likely that their parents were having sex behind him. And I was laughing at that. I thought, oh, my God, because they don't have a lot of bedrooms in their apartments. Their ceilings are very low. And so I've been to Russia a few times, and and I went to Russia after that. And uh, as uh, as I was headed into St. Petersburg on a bus, I was looking up at the windows of apartments, and sure enough, there were tons of kids looking out the window. Now, was that why they were looking out the window? Probably not. But that brought an enormous amount of humor because I was like, oh, my God, what could be going on behind that? And so um, (laughs) he was right, I think, in some degrees, or at least it helped my imagination go to a funnier place. 
in such a serious location. So anyway, what's what's fun is to understand the, the magnificence of what humor can bring your life and how magnetic it is to bring people towards you, um, to seek you for humor. It can be a great thing. And looking at the dark sides of our humanness is oftentimes very teaching and has a lot of wisdom to offer. You know, over the over the years, uh, oh, there's uh, there's a lot of theories that uh, have uh, proposed explanations for our evolution, suggesting that humor and laughter was a part of our selection of sexual partners and the dampening of aggression and conflict between villages and people that the sense of humor that they used was the common ground that they would find with each other to make each other feel safer. But companions, you know, people can be extremely ugly. And if they have a great sense of humor, they can actually become very attractive because they bring an element to life that that other person may crave. They may be such a serious person. And when they have a humorous partner, that brings balance in their life. And, if you know, people that can deliver humor they have lots of value that others seek, need, they need it, they want it, and, and they really, truly want to be a part of it. The problem is many people that deliver humor are so uh, uh, supported and so sought after, especially the professionals that are really good at it, they forget, to lose, they forget about their integrity, and then they find themselves using their humor as a way to hurt others and as a way into power. And so we have to be very cure, careful with humor and thinking of it in a way of healing and helping other people with only that intention and not that to use that for our own personal gain. You know, the, there's this humor is related to, to some kind of mistake. You know, every joke, comic incident seemed to contain a fool of some sort or a, a butt of a joke. You know, for instance, I talked about the guy with the backyard. Well, he also did another thing. He found a bathtub that did not fit through the door into his bathroom. And so what he decided to do was cut the frame of the bathroom door in the shape of the bathtub in order to get the bathtub into the bathroom where he could replace the other bathtub and put that one in there. He did not think about what would happen to the door and the frame after that. And anybody going into the bathroom, uh, guess what? People could see what they're doing. So, you know, he just didn't think about that for his family. He was trying to be uh, very uh, uh, frugal and uh, found himself uh, putting his uh, family in a very uh, deep amount of chaos and a loss of privacy. You know, the, 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 the bottom line is uh, when, when we uh, ask ourselves, why do we enjoy mistakes? And to propose that it's not mistakes that, that people enjoy, it's the emotional reward for discovering and undoing mistakes in thought. You know, we enjoy making mistakes. We enjoy weeding them out. But we have to also enjoy having a bit of distance and, and reality about ourselves and the mistake and taking responsibility for it. All right, we're going to take another break, and we're going to come back. We're going to talk about humor and how to create it. So come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. 
Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Unravel the mysteries of metaphysics every week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join host Barb Crowley as she and her insightful guest share what's been learned behind the veil, going just beyond our five senses. Now you can see things with an entirely different point of view. Tune in for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil, broadcasting live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Use it to explore your advantage and deeper understanding. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about the bonding of laughter. You know, it's really interesting to understand that laughter is more a social phenomenon. and occurs for reasons other than humor, including unpleasant ones. Moreover, humor does not always make us laugh. You know, in some cases where a person is, is denigrated or where an observation seems amusing does not always lead to laughter. Sometimes people just laugh inside their brain. You know, there's some really funny uh, things to look at that really have the basis of all humor. And and if you go on to, uh, let's say, YouTube or Google or whatever you want to do, is there's this one. Uh, it's called Giraffe and Quicksand, which is about the stages of grieving. And it's such a deeply human and very funny, a uh, very short uh, 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 analogy of what grieving is all about. There's another one that is very basic and very fun, especially for kids. It's called Jurassic Fart, and it's about a dinosaur uh, farts, and then the little dinosaur fart can't fart, and then when he does, he ends up flying, and then the pig farts, and and everybody passes out, <laughs> and so it's like. It's very funny. It's a really cute cartoon. It's been around forever. But, but you know, those have a lot of basis of humor. And, and when we understand that, we can actually socially uh, grab onto that. And help, it helps us break the humor for ourselves. You know, there, there's really an understanding also that, uh, you know, people uh, uh, observe spontaneous laughter as people went about their business you know, ranging from, uh, you know, shopping malls to airports, you know, just kind of watching how people 
conduct themselves is a very funny thing for many people. I love uh, people watching. You know, uh, sexual attraction, though, is and the reproductive process also is very seriously rolled around humor. It's centered on that in many ways because we are so vulnerable in those sexual moments that we have to understand that in that intimacy, humor also needs to be a part of it because there's a part of our humanness that is ugly, you know, noises that we make, things that we do, things that we want. Things, it, all that stuff can be very strange, especially when you're t bringing two different people from different experiences together to come into one and show their complete vulnerableness. You know, it, it's presumptuous to think about, you know, cracking the sense of humor, with, with, you know, when we understand that many aspects of it uh, um, can actually clarify issues and bring things to bear. You know, and uh, it's very important to understand where we are all bigots, where we all contradict our own thoughts, our own theories, our own our own processes. So when you think of creating funny, it's a very strong trait. And some people do seem to be born funny. The rest of us have to work at it, like me. But the good news is you just can be decent, you know photographer by learning your camera, you know, or if you're going to, you know, be somebody that's an amateur at whatever you still want to spend some time with it if it's going to add to your life. And and, and it always follows a pattern. It, it can be a mathematical in its structure and rhythm, but you want to deconstruct why you like certain sketches, jokes, videos, spoofs, uh, and being able to understand what you can do to create humor in your own life. You know, but, you know bizarre paintings, you know, uh, uh, can be something fun. You know, they can challenge our mind. They can challenge our, our ideas of, uh, you know, what 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 is funny by seeing visual, because some people are visual and need that visual to actually connect, and that's okay. So, you know, that can be a very funny thing. To, so there's some really funny cartoons and visuals that we can see in this world that offer a profound humor for us, you know, and, and uh, the, there's repetition, you know. It, 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 when people say, you know, I love you, man, for a while, it was funnier every time you heard it. But after a while, you know, if you keep using it and using it, using it, it, it can be something that's not so funny. So nowadays, it's worked its way out. But when people first had it, it was really great. When we heard the term Valley Girl, oh, my God, Valley Girl, ha, ha, ha. That's such a funny thing. You know, Valley Girl, California, stupid blonde, whatever. You know, that, that used to be really funny. And then all of a sudden, uh, and people started to embrace that. Yes, I'm a Valley Girl. I'm a Valley whatever. Um, but the bottom line is it became unfunny. So when people overdo it, that's when people uh, – or our broader population grabs onto these concepts, we have a, lar a very hard time uh, uh, finding humor in them after they've been done over and done over and done over. You know, uh, 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 there was a, a LA Times did this uh, low-speed chase news segment uh, which uh, was shown as a pre-movie advertisement. You know, if you understand traffic in Los Angeles, to do a low-speed chase it can be very, very frustrating for a whole lot of people, and you're going to see things on that freeway that you never thought you would see. You're going to see people acting in ways that you never you'd think they were epileptic. You know, it's just crazy. You know, unexpected endings are also can be very powerful. You know, you know, it's it's really important to understand that unexpected endings can really draw a lot of humor. That is where a lot of humor is found. But the biggest part is to understand that if you're going to be very humorous 
person, you really want to stick to the idea of, of, of deprecating yourself. You know, uh, it'd be really important for us to understand, hey, you know, I tried to run, uh, you know, I, I uh, tried to run a mile. So I ran a mile, about a half a mile, and then I was chased by a dog and I ran 10 miles, you know. So <laughs> what people say they're capable of and what they actually can do <laughs> can be entirely different. The other thing is, especially in Ireland, people love to exaggerate. And so they will take their story about the small fish and make it into the big, gigantic fish. And so a lot of people love to lead people on with exaggeration as if things are true. You know, uh, in England, the UFOs, by cutting the fields to make it look like a UFO landed in them and everybody believing it, all of a sudden finding out it was just two old men with these certain kind of tools that were able to lay down the, the hay. Um, you know, a lot of people these days use things called uh, uh, a mem, which is a funny caption, an example of uh, uh, of someone like in a movie or someone that's uh, a cat or a dog or themselves. You know, people that create mems about themselves. That can be a lot of humor and it can be self-deprecating and it also can target other people who think too highly of themselves. You know, current events can be a very... Uh, 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 under, uh, f- funny understanding. I mean, our, I I believe our current president is about the dumbest man I ever heard in the whole world. But the bottom line is, uh, you know, he uh, <laughs> he's basically the president, and he's made a lot of very dumb choices. And if you wanted to pick those things apart, which I'm not going to do here, just for you know whatever, because it's a lot of it's not funny. But what he's done is created a lot of big problems for a lot of people. And there is humor to be found in it. It's painful. It's awful. But there's humor to be found in it. And if you can find that, you can find a way of coping with the difficult times that we're all living in as we're uh, heading into probably the greatest recession we have ever had. Um, And so the bottom line is we really need to come to understand that the laughter is what gets people resilient in difficult situations, including the Great Depression, including World War II, including World War I, including the Revolutionary War, including the, you know – the the war of independence all of this stuff you know is very important to understand that we you know we have to believe in ourselves and we have to believe in those times that humor can actually give us a place of peace and so we need to find that in our life you know poems uh, often describe human experiences you know if we take things way too serious that can also create a problem you know uh, you know, people's habits, that can also be extremely funny when we look at it. If I put a person that's OCD into the middle of a room of somebody who is a hoarder, what do you think you're going to find? <laughs> you're going to find somebody either running for the hills or kicking out the, the hoarder and cleaning up their house in order to make themselves feel better. You know, uh, if, if uh, you know, jokes can uh, build like waves and, and little chuckles can set your audience for big laughs when you tell, you know, a great joke. And so there's a cadence to follow, to follow the flow of words when we use jokes. For example, you know, what do you get when you play a country western song backwards? Uh, well, the mind reopens, you, you, the, your truck runs again and your wife leaves her boyfriend at the bar. So, you know, metaphors, using a colorful down home or humorous phrase to illustrate your point, you know, uh, 
you know, the dog won't hunt or that or the, you know, getting a quote from someone like a, a, a pony in a pageant, you know, you know, d- don't wrestle with the pig, you don't pig, you know, fairs a place where they judge pigs. You know, th- these are fun things that are metaphors, but they teach us a lot. And also nicknames can be a lot of fun. And it's really funny because the, the White House traditionally over all the years, over probably since uh, Bush, maybe before, but I don't know, probably before Bush, probably Johnson or something like that. But they also used a lot of nicknames. And there's some really funny, if you look them up and Google them about nicknames of people that, that have worked in the White House, you you will die laughing because there's so many weird nicknames. And then the FBI has their own nicknames for the people that work in the White House and the people, the presidents and all that stuff. So that's kind of a fun thing to do to understand the nicknames and the characterizations of people that we know or may know on television or know you know from politics or whatever and then we see a different view of them and it's like wow that's pretty cool you know the also um non-gender relationship humor you know where we tease about relationships uh without using gender you know the you know if we just talk about a a relationship itself you know people are so dumb that sometimes that we and that dumb's a mean word but you know the bottom line is people will try to answer a person's emotions with rationality and uh, and and try to solve it as as if it's a problem when all the person wants is to be acknowledged for their emotions and their feelings they just want acknowledgement but oftentimes what people have to do Oh, I've got to solve this. You know, they take the analytical approach and then we blow the whole relationship out of the water. And when people do that, it's funny in some regards. It's not funny to the person that's having emotions, but it's funny to watch people uh, not understand that their analytical does not compute with emotional. You have to answer emotion with compassion and then you go to problem solving. You know, it's amazing how people step all over themselves. You know, uh, uh, if, if there's humorous people around you, take notes, you know, because they may offer you a sense of wisdom or something that really can create some great moments in your life. You know, it, it may be coffee table humor, but it can be great things that, that offer levity into situations that may be too serious. You know, if you really want to develop your humor, try to take some ordinary and make a joke out of it. You know, there's a hidden joke behind every little event and situation you come across. And looking at situations with without with a different perspective is very valuable life skill. Putting people in situations where they think it's supposed to be one way and then they have to do something entirely different, that can be a humorous situation just to imagine them having to deal with a situation in a different way than they think. You know, um, to to prescribe to to a, a, a uh, uh, people that are not having sex to basically have love coupons, give one to each other, uh, and uh, they have to do what's on the coupon. You know that can be extremely funny in many regards to 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 have them confront themselves and having to do something that probably would make them completely gag. You know it's just amazing that we can find great things in all of our simple transactions in life. You know. We, we get an extra uh, uh, breath of fresh air when we laugh. And, and it's really important to understand that everybody likes to stay around people who make them laugh because it makes them feel good. You know, if someone doesn't laugh, don't give up. Don't give up. 
these moments, just know that everyone faces these moments, and that is something that you want to be resilient from. And you want to lead it to maybe embellishing the humor into a better way. Maybe it's learning from it. Maybe it's uh, 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 trying to understand how to expound on that in a different view. Maybe it's the narrative that led up to the the event that wasn't good enough of a setup. God knows I probably have done that, uh, especially today. But it's funny to be witty and not silly. You know, silly is immature. Witty is intelligent. And humor is best served when it is very smart. You know, uh, that's our show. And I'd like to thank all of you for listening. I love hearing from you. And you can do that at voiceamerica.com, the Empowerment Channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now remember, the most impressive vehicle in life is a food truck. Also, a sense of humor is what makes a man handsome. Now, don't break people's heart when they have 206 bones that you can break. Also, if an assassin's failed, you must question your next action. (laughs) Also, what do you do when the chains to your mood swing detach? Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you.